Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we have another fun treat for you, which is an episode from one of our fellow Pleasure Podcast shows. This is an episode of Sex Talk with My Mom. It's episode 356 that is called Gross Sex is Good Sex with Dr. Ian Kerner. But what it's really about is getting to the bottom of what are some of the patterns that you fall into when it comes to having sex with your partner or partners and taking a look at that and seeing how you might be able to improve that or kind of what you can learn from these, he calls them sex scripts. So this kind of routine that you'll fall into. For those of you who don't know, uh, Sex Talk with My Mom has been around. I mean, they're on about the same episode numbers as us, which is exciting. And Cam, who's one of the hosts of the show, is the one who runs our network and, you know, came and talked to us about joining a number of years ago. And he's fantastic. It's been great. His mom, Karen, is awesome. Also great. And so this is from their episode 356. But for those of you who remember way back, we had the two of them on our show, Uh, for episode 226 of our show. And Emily and I were on their show, episode 220. So if you want to have sort of a fun day of sex talk with my mom and multi-amory, you can go listen to those two episodes and and then check out this one here today. I remember you discussing this episode just a bit when you first listened to it this is the Uh one the syndicated episode that we're going to bring you all now and you were just so excited about it you were like this is awesome oh my gosh and so i'm excited to listen to it myself because i haven't yet and i'm really interested to hear what the heck a sex script is it's pretty cool (laughs) and yeah just like what happened the last time that we syndicated another pleasure podcast show you know the last one where they were interviewing dr emily super excited about dr ian kerner who's interviewed in this episode and let's hope we can get him on our show too yeah. And and for those of you who are always disappointed that we don't share more of the gory details of our sex and relationship lives, don't worry, because Cam and Karen Lee Love share all that. sorts of details about their <laughs> sex lives. So you can get that from them. We hope you enjoy this episode of Sex Talk with My Mom. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. We all have what's technically called like a disgust reflex. Like we are programmed to find certain things disgusting, like the taste of sour milk. And if you think about sex purely from an objective like perspective, like exchanging fluids, cum, you know, eating assholes and (laughs) vaginas, right? Like it it sounds like, you know, disgusting in some ways, right? Um, but the point is, this is what I love, like arousal. It disinhibits us and it just lowers that disgust reflex and all of it becomes delicious. It's uncomfortable to talk about sex, but sometimes it's important to get uncomfortable. Sex Talk with My Mom is the best mom-son podcast about sex. It's the only one as well. My mother is a cougar. My son is a clown. In a nutshell, my dad died. So my mother decided to create a YouTube channel all about sex, like all mothers do. And then my son decides to use my material in his stand-up comedy routines. And thus, Sex Talk with My Mom was born. Welcome to Sex Talk with My Mom. I'm Cam Poder. And I'm Karen Lee Poder. Oh, yeah, we got a special episode for you, <laughs> we, Sneaky Freaks. We today. got a banger. We got a banger. We haven't had a guest in a long time. And it's uh, mainly because we enjoy hanging out just the two of us. But right. sometimes someone comes along and they blow us away. And we were blown away uh, how many years ago? We were blown away on May 23rd, 2019. Well, it's been a while. In episode 210, She Comes First with Dr. Ian Kerner. If you haven't listened to that 
You got to listen to that. Right. This is a follow-up with Ian Kerner. So who is Ian Kerner? Ian is a licensed psychotherapist who specializes in sex therapy, couples therapy, and working with individuals on a range of relational issues. He is the New York Times bestselling author of She Comes First, one of our favorite books, and many more books focusing on healing, sexuality, and relationships. And guess what, my friends? He just came out with a new book yesterday. It's called So Tell Me About the Last Time You Had Sex. He basically acts like a little investigative therapist. He's going in there like Sherlock Holmes into the bedroom, asking people to unpack what are they doing in there? How can we fix it? Literally in the first like five minutes of meeting them. And so we do this on this episode. We have a wonderful discussion with him. We unpack my mother's sex script. Oh, yeah. I went through my sex script. If anybody wants to know what it's like in the bedroom with KLP, you're going to hear it here. We also went through my sex script or lack thereof. You're going to hear about CRP's sex script. And we just... But he helped you, I think. He did. He totally did. We talk about hookup culture and casual sex. We talk about initiation in the bedroom. What happens when one person is constantly initiating, the other is not. He makes sex fun. He thinks anything in the bedroom is a go as long as both parties are consenting. That could be porn. That could be sex toys. He just makes it be okay. And I think that a lot of people, especially during this last pandemic, have been in a situation where they just don't even feel like having sex because it just seems like so much effort, but he makes it fun again. And he does that by unpacking the sex script or the storyline that goes through everyone's sexual encounters. And I think it's absolutely a wonderful framework through which you can view your own sex lives. Right. We are very happy with this interview. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. And we love you, you little sneaky freaks. Here we go. Mother, I noticed in your sex script that you involve sex toys. I do. I think they're really important with a partner or without a partner. It's good to have one, especially one that stimulates the G-spot. Oh, yeah, the inside. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, my G is a super silent internal G-spot massager for bodies like mine with a vagina. Oh, what's so special about that? Oh, my G. So do you know where the G-spot is, Kim? Yes, mother. It's on the upper wall. Okay. Inside the vagina. That's exactly where it is, Cam. And what the Oh My G does, it has a unique massaging pearl that mimics this come hither motion you do with your fingers. It moves up and down, only it's a lot less work for your partner or you, and it's 10 times better. And typically when you're fingering yourself, how do you get that angle? You're like clawing in there. This has a sleek C shape, making it easy to directly and precisely massage your G-spot. And I understand that it's quiet. It's so quiet that if you want to masturbate while your partner's snoring away, you just go ahead and do it. They'll never know the difference. What about if you have roommates, you got children home? Even better. It's got that silent drive technology that makes it one of the quietest pleasure products on the market. Right now, Oh My G is offering our Sex Talk With My Mom listeners 30% off when you go to iobatoys.com and enter code MOM. That's iobatoys.com, I-O-B-A-T-O-Y-S, toys.com, and use promo code MOM to get 30% off your OMIG. Check out our episode description. Go to iobatoys.com, use promo code MOM. You're going to be pleasantly surprised. Ian, welcome back to the show. Woohoo! I am super excited. It's nice to see you both. It's great to be seen. Yeah. Oh, no, that's his grandfather's favorite saying. And it's also great to put a face to the words that we've been reading because we've been reading your book. So tell me about the last time you had sex. I have it right here. It's phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What a and it, it launches today. Name. Yeah. Mom, you saw me reading this yesterday. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be. notes. I did not want to be interrupted. He's very irritable <laughs> when I interrupt him. I, I was taking notes, underlining. Th- it was active reading. And I was Got doing it. screenshots. I screenshotted one in particular, which I'll get to it at some point. Okay. But uh, yeah, so, since one of us is doing it on Kindle, he's got the paperback. Excellent. So, well, thank you. It's like a textbook on how to have phenomenal sex. I mean, my first question is, has got to be, how does this book differ from your last one, which is a blockbuster hit, She Comes First? 
I love She Comes First. It's like the little book that could. It just uh, it just continues to stay out there, and I, I will always love that book. But, you know, I wrote that book in 2002. It published in 2004, and so we're like in 2021 now, so it's been like 20 years, and I have grown. I've matured. I've been working with, you know, uh, thousands of patients. And so should, I, should she come first still? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. She should still come first. I, that hasn't absolutely. changed. I'm okay. never going to give that sure. up. In fact, I think I even expand on that again in this book. But it was really just, you know, 20 years or so of being a sex therapist and really wanting to almost make it like you're in the room with me. I don't know if it felt that way in reading it. Totally. I know there's actually oh, yeah. a lot of research, but I really wanted to make it like you can fix and resolve an issue at home reading this book. And it's hot. Yeah, the case studies are very hot. Or, some, <laughs> you know, sometimes they're like, oh, God, thank God I'm not in that situation. But right. it is, it's great. In this book, you do an, an excellent job outlining what a sex script is and why that's important to look at for anyone. So can you tell us what is a sex script? Yeah, so... In my practice, I'll learn about the issue that a, a patient or a couple is dealing with, and then I will always ask them, so tell me about the last time you had sex, which is the title of the book. And it's a, simple, it's a simple question, but the idea is that every sexual event tells a story. It has a beginning, middle, and an end. There's a sequence of interactions that are physical, emotional, uh, psychological. And so all of that creates what I call the sex script. And couples yeah. come in and generally their sex script, the way they're having sex, what they're doing, how they're moving through the sequence, it's usually replicating, repeating and reinforcing the issue that they're having. So I literally wanna look at the components of their sex script, what it contains, all of the meaning, all of the elements, and I wanna help them rewrite their sex scripts away from pain and towards pleasure. Mm. So we're thinking that to give our listeners a better opportunity to see this in action, yeah. we could uh, actually run through one of these with, with one of us or both of us. Okay, okay. but not together. Okay, so just for the <laughs> well, record, we are not having sex together. Yeah. Okay, let's just... Thank you for the so... fucking disclaimer, Rem. Yeah. Not a shared sex script, but each of your individual sex scripts. So yeah, like first I would want you to tell me if you're, you know, so if you were coming in and you were my patient, first of all, you'd be coming in not because your sex script is like working so well, because then you wouldn't be coming in. You have a good working sex script that is delivering pleasure, probably on a pretty um, predictable, repeat, repetitive basis. So you'd probably be coming in with a sex script that's not working in some way. I'm not my, saying my that's sex, the case. My sex script is working, though. <laughs> I, I just want Good. a validation for well, my sex script. Well, luckily, so, so, we have a patient here uh, that you can work with. All right, so we'll do both. We'll do a working sex script, and I'll point out. We'll talk about everything that's working and amazing, and then we'll look. We'll, we'll also talk about a sex script that's not working. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Which do you, let, what do you want to begin with? You want to let's let's go with the working I, sex or yeah, whatever you want. The, the good news is good. All right, let's go. Let, let, run me down. So my boyfriend's name is Dees. Run me down. Okay, here's the rundown. Okay, my boyfriend's name is Dees. He's 15 years younger than I am. We've been quote unquote dating, but it's kind of like being married for the last 13 and a half years. We live together. Our sex life is one I feel that it's always been pretty good, pretty adventuresome. I mean, he has. Uh, ADD. I have ADD, so I think it lends to. I mean, I don't know if I'm just talking off of you know out of my ass, but uh, I think the fact that we're both kind of like spontaneous le mm -hmm. lends itself to trying new stuff all the time. Okay, so. so so let's talk about it. So tell me about the last time you had sex. What did it uh, What did it look like? How did sex get started? Who initiated? Okay, so. Cam is looking at me like weird, like, oh, do I want to hear this or not? I'm fine. I'm okay, fine okay, this. okay, okay. So, all right. So it pretty much is like always, this, it's, this, it's the same kind of scenario with different elements sometimes added in. So, for example, I would say a typical sex script is we, we make it a habit that we always have sex like once a week on Saturday nights. 
Or if it okay. doesn't end up on Saturday, it'll go on a Sunday. I'm glad. I I'm so glad. That's the one night I make sure I'm not here. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> which came first, the fact that I was not coming over on Saturday nights, or the no Saturday night has always been a relaxing evening. I think for me, I need it to be something very comfortable. Like um, sure, I'm already well, relaxed from the night. And it's already interesting. We're already getting a little sense of the script that there's a ritual that happens on sort of. Uh, Every Saturday night, a sex script can contain a lot of spontaneity. So did you have sex this last Saturday night? We're basically a Tuesday as we're recording this. Right. Um, I think we had, I think we veered off course and it was a Thursday. Sorry. (laughs) But it's typically on a Saturday. So let's talk about Thursday though. Can you get an image of Thursday in your mind? Yeah. Um, I like to always come first, as you know. As as your book, your last book uh, has suggested, Um, and he wants me to as well. So I can just run you down almost like a a typical sex scenario, and I'll tell you what happened with that one. So usually I will be in charge of setting the mood. Like I need to have the lights dim. I need candles out. I need music playing. I have a special love love, uh, love list on Spotify, which I'll put at the show notes after this podcast. Um, <laughs> which goes on for hours. Um, what else happens? So then sometimes we'll do crazy stuff. Like, you know, sometimes we will start or sometimes we'll start with a back massage Okay. And then like he'll give one to me, then I'll give one to him, then he may um start pleasuring me in different ways, and then I'll start pleasuring him, and then we bring out like a vibrator, and then I, I usually and almost always it, both of us like it when he's on the bottom and I'm on top because that way we could look each other in the eye and we can use a vibrator um on my clit while we're having sex. So he feels the vibrations. I feel the vibrations. And oh, and then we might go back to having oral sex at that point. So it, it kind of is a it's a familiar dance that we can vary up a little bit. But typically it ends up that I will come first and then he will come and then everybody's happy. OK. And that, so, that whole so, scenario takes about two minutes. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's really great. So first of all, then do you relate to the idea of just sex scripts in general? Like that you, it sounds well, yeah, like you, so, and, so, you and D's have something that kind of works. Yeah, we always put in like there's always going to be some sort of fantasy element where we watched like porn and maybe we'll act out like he's Dirty D in the th- porn theater. And I'm like his, I'm like one of the Dirty Theater porn sluts. So, great. <laughs> I love that. I mean, now, because, is that, a, is that, does that happen sort of early on in the sex script? Like kind of gets things going? It happens early and then in the middle and probably towards the end. I mean, it can continue. Sometimes he, <laughs> here's, Cam even knows this already. Sometimes he imagines me as our couples therapist we went to like eight years ago. Uh-huh. Who, who, and he will call me by her name. and, and Or it, it, one time we were watching porn together and he literally will move me away so he can watch the porn. And then we, you know, uh-huh. anyway. Well, so, so, so let me just comment on a little bit of what I'm hearing because I think that there are actually some really great elements of the sex script that you described. I mean, first of all, uh, it's nice that there's sort of a little bit of a ritual element to it and it happens, you know, once a week. And we know that couples who have good, healthy sex once a week have higher levels of relationship positivity than couples who do not. And couples who end up having sex a lot more than once a week don't necessarily have higher levels of relationship positivity. So I think just knowing that that's at least ritualized once a week, if not more, um, I'm hearing that there's, um, Uh, some attention to what I call the desire framework and creating a shared desire framework. Like you're very conscious of the environment that you want to be in and what's going to turn you on and get you excited and also uh, eliminate stressors. So I think paying attention to the um, desire framework is good. I haven't gotten a sense yet of who actually sort of taps the other on the shoulder and says, let's go do this. But I'm going to assume that there's something that's kind of mutual that's happening between the two of you. And what I really like is that you spend time both above the neck 
and above the waist, right? You described sort of this kind of like sensual massage that could kind of happen. Mm -hmm. You also described an element of fantasy. So we're really, mm -hmm. you know, really capacitating, fully capacitating the potential um, for arousal. We're getting the psychological arousal. We're getting the physical arousal before we're going below the waist into any kind of, um, you know, direct genital stimulation. Now, I did hear a lot about... Um, uh, oral sex and direct gen genital st stimulation and uh, a vibrator and going back to oral sex after intercourse. And let me just say what I love about that is that the sex script is, it's a little non-traditional. It's not following like the traditional structure of like, let's get to intercourse and intercourse is like the culminating activity or the overshadowing activity. Like when I'm working with my couples, if I'm working with a heterosexual couple, I would say about 100% of the heterosexual couples that I work with had intercourse the last time they had sex, penis and vagina intercourse. But for most of the couples that I work with, they got to intercourse within about two to five minutes of starting sex. So intercourse oh, no, no, became the kind of all-encompassing, overshadowing sexual behavior that was engaged in. So what I really like about your sex script is that it was kind of deconstructed and had a lot of variety. It actually reminds me, um, and I say this in a positive way, of, of gay men sex, gay male sex scripts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's the thing, there's a study We're open done. To it. No. <laughs> do, you, do you mind if I bring in a little bit of the research from the Please book? Do. Please do. So, so there was a study done of uh, 25,000 gay and bisexual men. It came out of Indiana University by Josh Rosenberg. It was done about, uh, I think, seven or eight years ago. But it's a great study because it looked at the last time that these 25,000 gay men had sex. And as it turned out, only 35% engaged in intercourse. So that means 65% of gay men do not generally have intercourse as part of their sex script, which I already think is incredible, right? Because um, what are they doing? They're engaging in all different types of outer course activities, a lot like the ones you described, kissing, sensual touch, oral sex, manual stimulation. But was, what was so cool was that of the men studied, there were 1,300 different combinations of behaviors put together. So that's right. 1,300 different sex scripts. And what I liked about your sex script was how particular it was and how personalized it was and how it emphasized a number of different behaviors. And yes, there was intercourse, but it didn't seem to be like the only behavior or the main behavior. And I right, like that the orgasms were, that. yeah. So, so I think that there's a lot of really cool elements. Yeah. And it was the same thing with Cam's father. It's like funny because it's like when I think about getting massaged, it's, oh, I got to make the appointment, sign up, go in there. And then every time I get a massage, I'm like, why didn't I do this for two hours? You know? And mm -hmm. So the same mm -hmm. thing I feel about sex. I mean, yeah. it may take me a minute to get there, but once I'm there, I'm like, why don't we do this like all the time? Yeah. I agree. Let me ask you, is it hard? Like, did you, did you and D's automatically just get into this space where you could do all this role playing? Because I love the yes. psychological yes. element, but a lot of couples can't get there. They have too much an inhibition to just sort of let themselves kind of play. I mean, for me and for him, I think I wasn't a talker and on doing all that with my husband at the time that was back in the, um, well, it was, man, I was like in my forties and, and I was not taught that women should be verbal during sex in the bedroom. And it was just was like, I was taught, you know, that you would just be quiet in the bedroom because that was my generation. Whereas when I'm with D's, we like, we will play, like we will role play. We will, I mean, we will bring out, uh, you know, whips and all kinds of, <laughs> Cam's <Yeah>. now, <laughs> Uh, you, I think you're overestimating my reactions here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, completely cool right now. You're the one that is feeling well because I now I normally don't talk about my current sex life. I will talk about past sex okay. life. Where, for example, I went on a date with this guy. We ended up in his bedroom, and literally, he spent like maybe two minutes going down on me, and then he wanted to have sex, and he came within two seconds, and 
Um, right. And I'm like, well, hello, you forgot about me over here, you know? And he's right. like, oh, okay, we'll try again. We'll watch some porn. We'll do it again. And then a, the same exact thing happened. And I never went out with him again, obviously. Yeah. Well, that's, so, you just described, that's really like your sex script with D's sounds really personalized. It includes a lot of behaviors. It has a lot of psychological stimulation. It is a great sort of arousal and desire runway to get going. But the other one you just described, that sounds like a sounds broken horrible. sex script. You you never, you know, uh, you never got off the ground on that. And, you know, right. So that that's I very common for one partner I, to get left behind. How much is confidence weigh into all this? Because I feel like both of us are very confident in ourselves. And that's why we're willing to take more risks and and be comfortable with each other that we could say anything to each other and no one's going to shame each other. Yeah. So I think that confidence and uh, self-esteem is, is a part of it. But what I'm actually hearing you talk about is kind of like emotional safety, right? And just feeling like right. um, we have a nice level of emotional safety. We're not going to shame each other. We're not going to judge each other. We can laugh with each other. And I think actually that kind of relationship safety is essential for the kind of adventurousness and play. So I think that's why good relational mm -hmm. sex goes hand in hand with really good, like recreational sex, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. I, I think the emotional safety that you described and not feeling shame and, and, and being comfortable in your own skin, um, I think that's huge. I think that that's uh, essential. You talked about this on, on the last time you came on the podcast, but can you give us another, just a very quick summary of the difference between relational versus recreational sex? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I talk to my patients sometimes about there being three categories of sex, procreative, relational, and recreational. Procreative, we all know, is, you know, penis and trying vagina. To make We're trying to make a baby. What really bums me out, though, is that the form of procreative sex penis and vagina is great for procreation, but it becomes the main behavior that we engage in in these other categories, relational and recreational. Mm -hmm. And like when we're in a relational category, we want that safety, we want the connection, we want the intensity, we want to merge, we want to go to a place with another person that words cannot describe. We want to be in that totally mutual flow state where self other boundaries just kind of dissolve and collapse. So that's kind of relational sex. Recreational sex is, um, well, that's having a sense of novelty and adventure and fun and, and fantasy. And uh, I feel like so many of my patients engage in recreational sex with themselves, right? When it comes to masturbation and the and toys they use and the porn they watch and, and all of that. But when they're having sex with each other, they're kind of in a relational model that has lost a lot of its life. It's lost a lot of its um, vitality. The sex script mm -hmm. has sort of gotten a little dehydrated. So that's why I really want couples to combine the relation, the relational with the recreational and to create mm -hmm. what I call rec relational sex. And for mm. rec, -re rec relational sex to happen, A, it needs a very strong psychological component. But procreative sex, just that behavior of penis and vagina intercourse, really is not the form of sex that's best suited to rec-relational sex. It's really mm -hmm. much more about outer course-based behaviors. Not to say it shouldn't include intercourse, but it really needs to be a whole menu of possible behaviors to engage in. Yeah. I... You know, it's funny because I think what you're describing about emotional safety and the ability to go into this more playful state is definitely what I'm after. Mm -hmm. now, now, turning the Apparently spotlight Apparently he over. wants yes. a script. Go he wants his sex script. Spotlight is changing. It, But it's very challenging to go on a date with someone and say, excuse me, are you interested in uh, recreational sex, relational sex, <laughs> or procreative right now? So right. it's very, it's it's hard to know. Right. Well, I didn't. I wasn't suggesting that that's like a pickup line. Are we going to no, procreate no. of sex tonight? <laughs> 
So we all really hope that you're enjoying this episode. We are going to take a quick break to talk about some of the ways that you can support our show, Multiamory, because we love bringing all of this content to you for free. And when you listen to our ads, it helps us to do that further. So we really appreciate it. If you could take a time to just check it out a little bit, just check out our ads. Thanks so much. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. In order for me to feel emotionally safe, I kind of need to know what I'm signing up for. Because Mm -hmm. too many times in the past, I've signed up for something that the other person was not necessarily signing up for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or I'm worried that that would would be the case. So so you're, you're single and dating now, Cam? You got it. Right. So you have a you have a <laughs> He's challenge. horny as fuck right now. He's so horny. He, are you like, seeing are you seeing anybody regularly or is it just playing the no. field kinda? No, and I haven't seen people in like a year and a half, I'd say. Oh wow. So you're you're having sex for one right now. Yes, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. So you're COVID did and, not and preparing for the opening yeah. that's about to occur. Yeah. The summer so, of love. I, I think there's so much spring fever and summer sensuality in the air. This this summer is going to be off the chart. It's crazy it's be like, sexy. Like, like rabid, <laughs> rabid dogs are going to be on the loose. Yeah. So do you have any advice for, for someone yeah. entering that? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, so I was single. And as you know from She Comes First, I was sexually dysfunctional. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a working sex script and, and as a result, um, you know, I was kind of pretty depressed and fatalistic and sex was not working. So I think as a single person, first of all, just sort of knowing where are you in your sexual element? Like what is the sex script that is going to allow, forget how you think you're supposed to be having sex or even the person that you're going to be having sex thinks that you're supposed to be having sex. What is the sex that allows you to be creative, confident, to have that self-confidence and self-esteem that your mom was describing? What are the elements of the sex script that, that you need? And, and you might decide, well, um, it's going to be very outer course based, or maybe it's going mm-hmm. to be very intercourse based, or maybe it's going to be, you know, very um, psychological and creative. I mean, in, in the book, I think I have a lot of tools to help you just sort of understand um, the elements that might best suit the sex script that puts you, uh, you know, sort of in your element, so to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I I think that the first step is finding someone uh, right. <laughs> that would help. to have sex with. Having a partner right. always helps. And I guess entering this summer of love, I don't have a strong desire to have just one partner and develop mm-hmm. a relationship. It's like the same reason why I don't want to have a dog right now. I don't want to have like the response. I want to... Right. I've been pent up. I'm coming out of hibernation. Right. So I have that motivator. Like, oh, I don't necessarily want this full-blown relationship right now so i'm looking for more casual sex okay and and at the same time as we discussed in the last podcast is 
as we discuss at nauseum on this show, I I come pretty quickly or quicker okay. than I want to coming. And right. so I need that emotional safety that someone is not going to be like, what the fuck? That was like two seconds. Cause that's not going <laughs> right. to help the matters if. Right. You know. Right. Um, okay. So does that, I'm, what does that, Ian, does it really matter though? I mean, even, even if he comes real quickly, he can still pleasure her and come again probably very soon thereafter. So does it really matter if he comes that quickly? Well, I was following you through the like, pleasure part but coming very soon quickly thereafter like you know that really depends on the guy and his age and his lifestyle and just sort of yeah, his, I don't even know his natural sexual again. temperament i mean and then a lot of guys who have premature ejaculation who are able to get erections again quickly will often prematurely ejaculate again i mean just because you sort of ejaculated once and then get an erection again doesn't mean that you're not going to ejaculate quickly the second time around, there are men who can prematurely ejaculate with almost completely flaccid penises. Um, oh, wow. so, but do, do women really wait. care? Do women really care about what? If he is has sex, he ejaculates quickly. Um, he goes down in her for twenty minutes, and then he, you know, ejac- he gets hard again, and they have intercourse again, and he just comes real quickly again. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if 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 he made sure that he gave her a great orgasm, that at, at that point the woman would say, "Oh, I I don't want this anymore" because he just comes too quickly? No, I mean I think that that would be a you know a, a kind of an, an interesting you know sex script. I mean you know. Um, for somebody who struggles with early ejaculation, um, I think you want to um, really focus on percolating a lot of arousal. I think you want to really focus on a lot of psychological arousal as well. You want to do whatever you can to get the person you're with really, um, you know, fully aroused. Um, I think you want to really sequence out sort of that transition into um, oral sex or outer course and direct genital stimulation. I think if you want to transition into intercourse, you should probably be within about 30 to 60 seconds of your partner's orgasm. And you should be able to either ask about that or communicate or on some level intuit that. And then I think you probably want to transition into a sex position like woman on top that's going to provide you know the most direct clitoral stimulation and more than likely if you're a guy with premature ejaculation you're pretty excited at that point and you're probably going to ejaculate but if you're within that 60 or 45 second window even if you ejaculate and your, you know, your your penis is uh, becoming detumescent, um, there's still going to be a lot of clitoral stimulation against uh, the pelvic pelvic bone. Wait, so detumescent means like just soft. Just losing that erection, all the blood's yeah. flowing out. You know, so I mean, those are just some of the ways that I would start to think about the sex script that for somebody who's single and who has early ejaculation. And then you got to really own that sex script. Here's the thing, like own the things that you know you need, right? Like if you need like to be like just very psychologically oriented to build arousal and you want to be able to like, you know, start talking about sex in a sexy way or share a fantasy or make that, you know, part of your script, like start to get good at doing that. If you're going to need to really rely on outer course over intercourse and, uh, and then be prepared to, to advocate for your sex script and to communicate about it. Because I think, I think for a lot of guys with say erectile unpredictability or early ejaculation, they just go in feeling sort of like the underdog, like they're not totally. going to be able to, you know, do this thing. Right. So, I mean, what do you make of these competing desires, the desire to experience this summer of love and, you know, be free, and then this desire for that emotional safety? Good question. Yeah, it's, 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 it, well, let's, let's brainstorm it a little bit. I mean, I, I think it's a little, it's a little challenging because um, you're going to be with new people 
right? And, and, right. and just a lot of studies show that it takes a little while to, to develop some nice routines like what you have with D's, right? Like it takes a little while to learn how to dance like that and to be able to mm -hmm. anticipate each other's moves, right? So I think you're going to have to be prepared for like a lot of excitement, a lot of novelty, um, a lot of, um, you know, spontaneity. But how could you get some emotional safety or how could you start to feel really comfortable? I mean, I mean, just because it's somebody new, does that mean there isn't any emotional safety or there isn't a level of comfort or communication or? No, no, no. Usually with me, there's over communication. So it, <laughs> there, I think I could develop emotional safety if, you know, but, but it's hard to find that right person to so basically, my my whole approach is if I can't develop the emotional safety, I just won't engage. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that leads me having years go by without having any sexual interaction. So, with so, so talk to me about what you need to cultivate emotional safety. That's it, how long does that take, or what do you do to cultivate it, or when do you start to experience that feeling of emotional safety? I, a couple dates, I'd say, like you know, and and yeah, real dates where I'm sitting there. Couple, maybe an hour or so we're talking with the person feeling them out seeing how they respond to certain events right um and cam is the thing that you're worried about sexually the early ejaculation that you're just not going to go home and really uh be a good lover with this person sexually that's what i worry about okay the other the other worry with regard to emotional safety is whether this person is on the same page and in, in regard to are they also looking for a more casual experience right mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. Or are they thinking that this sex is going to lead to a relationship? Mm -hmm. So are you overly anxious about that? Like, do you worry about that? Or like, um, do you talk about that with the partner? Or are you assuming you're like some, I ask because some people almost have like a, a little bit of an OCD around like ruminating over, does this person think I'm here just for the night or for life? Or, you know, like to what extent are you? I wouldn't say it's an OCD level, but there, there's an awareness there, and there's the awareness that I'm not bringing it up necessarily. Are you so you're assuming that they're not interested in just fun, casual sex? That they're interested in having like a real relationship with you in an ongoing way? Most of the time, I, that's the assumption. However, I did just start using a new app that focuses on this type of you know more casual play. Yeah, if you go in, what if you just go into it saying, "This is what I'm looking for. It's going to be casual." Because I mean, these and I went well, first night. We were together. I was like, no one's looking for anything serious here, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So what if you just go into it with knowing that you're, if you're using that app or, or even if you just meet the person, you know, in a coffee shop, you just go into being honest and saying, listen, I'm just in a summer of love and I'm not going to make anything too serious. Are you on the same page? If, you, if you're looking for something else, let's stop right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's cool. I mean, I, I guess I was just bringing this up because I do work with a lot of guys who sometimes resist being sexually free or resist just sort of having fun and playing because you know they're they're really worried that someone's gonna have the wrong impression in some way and so i just believe in you know being pretty upfront like your mom just said and communicating you don't have to over communicate either i mean you're having <laughs> sex with you're, you're having sex with consenting adults who can who can manage their own feelings and emotions and let you know what they're thinking. I mean, sometimes we just think that the people we're having sex with are just these objects that we're almost manipulating in some way. But these are these are adults that you're coming together with who are, are perfectly capable of having conversations and making mm -hmm. their own decisions. So as long as they're just, I think, informed about where you're at. You know, it's funny that I think what I worry is treating this person like an object. Mm -hmm. And by assuming that they're not capable of having those thoughts and knowing where they're at. It is actually treating them more like an object. There's I an think irony. So. There. I mean, I think it's a yeah. little paradoxical. I know that you're sensitive and I know that you're caring and you want to have emotionally safe relationships, but you have to allow someone's subjectivity, someone's personhood to really mm -hmm. assert itself in combination with yours. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So um, otherwise they are being objectified. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that. I like it too. Um, can we switch total gears here? Because I know we're coming to an end of this and I'm, I'm not going to get to this, but I love this passage in your book. I just wanted to read this. I think you, Cam said that you also like this. This is where I think if you're with someone like I'm with my partner who is kind of like, 
um, all or nothing. He, 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 I have to explain the nuances here. I'm going to read this chapter and tell you, and I think this is about yourself, actually. It says, take biting or tickling, for example. If I just walk up to my wife and bite her or tickle her or slap her on the butt, that could turn her off and probably piss her off, and it may even feel too rough or too ticklish if done at the start of sex. But once we get going and she's aroused, a good bite, nibble, or tickle may feel sexy and exactly what the doctor ordered, or in this case, provided. I just love that. Can you go into that a little bit? Because I, I think that's something that people just don't sometimes understand the difference between everyday behaviors and stuff that goes in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I want to say with like all sexual behaviors, it's not just about the behavior, it's about the timing of the behavior, right? So yeah. it's the right behavior at the right time. So something that feels very uncomfortable at the beginning of the arousal process, like when someone goes straight to like direct genital stimulation. I hear this from men too. Wow. Like as soon as she sees an erection, it's going straight for the penis in a kind of forthright way. It's the it's a it's a great behavior. It's a great activity, but it's just happening at the wrong time in the arousal process. So I think that every behavior. And so when I talk about just sort of walking up to my wife and like slapping her on the ass, it's just like we're not in that sexual space. There's no arousal being generated, you know, between the two of us. So Um, does she get pissed off at you if you just walk up and hit her in a butt? Yeah, she gets pissed off at that. (laughs) And what is that, that men think that women like that or don't even give a shit if women like it, I should say. Well, I guess you just see this butt and it looks kind of tasty and you just want to, like, connect with it in some way, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, but still, I mean, that happens to me uh, uh, pretty often with these. And he's like, oh, all my friends do this. I'm like, I don't give a shit if all your friends do this. I didn't say you can walk up and hit me in in the ass. And then I get really pissed and I try to hit him and I hurt my hand. Yeah. But meanwhile, if you're in bed and That's a whole you're in the middle of arousal, you want that bite on the neck, maybe, or yeah. you want that slap on this. You know. So the other thing that's interesting is that um, we all have um, what what's technically called like a disgust reflex. Like yeah. we are programmed to find certain things disgusting, like the taste of sour milk. You know what? You know what I right. mean? Like it's just gross. It, it informs us: don't drink this, or you're gonna get you know really sick and if you think about sex purely oh from God. an objective like perspective like exchanging fluids come e- you know asshole. eating assholes and <laughs> I mean, vaginas seriously. right like it, it sounds like you know disgusting in some it ways does. right um but the point is this is what i love like arousal like our the gift of human arousal just it disinhibits us and it just lowers that disgust reflex and all of it becomes delicious. You know, that's to <laughs> me kind of like the beauty of arousal and sex. And that's why throughout the book, what's so important in understanding a sex script is it's not just a sequence of events. It's actually going through a process of arousal that's increasingly building right. and culminating. And I, and I loved how you distinguish between like physical and psychological arousal and and practice in creating this erotic mind. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Well, that's what I would say to you as well, Cam. Like uh, if I could go back to all my single days as an early ejaculator, I would become much more an expert in psychologically turning someone on, psychologically romancing and seducing them because that builds as much arousal in the body, if not more than physical arousal. Especially right? for women, especially I could speak that that is 100% true. It and But you know what else is interesting is that there's this, you know, the disgust response that takes place if you do that type of, if you have that erotic mind with someone who's not in that context, it, you become very creepy to them, I think. Uh, again, everything about like right time, right place, right? Like, it's yes. Right. It's, uh, a, it's a dance. You don't want dance. to be, just be out at coffee and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so but how do you when you're in the moment. Practice? 
when you're in the moment, when you're engaging in foreplay, when you're starting to kiss, when you're starting to exchange breath, when your bodies are up against each other, like why not braid in the psychological arousal? Why not start to comment on what you're experiencing and seeing? Like if you sit down and like you're having a delicious meal with somebody, wouldn't you comment on everything that was so amazing about that meal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good idea. That that listeners, you sneaky freaks, that's a very good idea. <laughs> comment on what you see and hear and think and all the senses. Um, Cam, I have to go through some of these TikTok. The question I asked on my TikTok was, who initiates sex? And I had some funny answers. I wanted to run by you and see what you thought. Because I don't know, first of all, is it important who initiates? What's important is that each person's desire framework is honored. So I was just with a couple before we started talking, they were here and they have an issue, which is he always feels spontaneous desire. Like he's always interested in her. He would always love to go up and kiss her or talk to her, but there's something about him that inhibits him from doing that. And so he leaves it to her to always initiate. She always has to be the one to initiate, but she doesn't experience desire in the same spontaneous way. She needs to have herself sort of simmered and percolated, right? So they're, they're not working together in this desire framework, right? Like how they each manifest desire. So what I try and do when I'm working with couples is to really understand how each one experiences desire and then kind of validate a shared framework that they can both participate in. Cool. So the answer to that is? The answer for that couple would be that, and he, he always says like, well, I'm gonna ask you in the morning if we could have sex later. And I was like, that's the least sexy oh, way to request sex <laughs> for someone who needs to be simmered and, and, and mm -hmm. brought into it, right? So he needs to learn how to approach and bring his spontaneous desire, but like kindle a longer experience that will help manifest her desire. That would mm -hmm. be a shared desire framework between the two of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's go a little bit back to the initiating part as far as that is concerned. It seems like most of the people- Yeah, uh, what are some of these responses Some of these responses got, are just so funny. What was the, the initial the question? The question was, who initiates sex? And this one guy goes, always me, and would bet guys 90%, 99% of the time. Is that true in your experience? That a um, guy would initiate nope. sex 99%? Nope, nope. not at so. all. Not at all. I mean, you know, especially in this last, you know, year and a half or so of going into COVID where we're not eating well, we're not exercising, we're not even changing out of our pajamas, we're on top <laughs> of each other. I'm finding that, libido across the board is kind of depressed and, and inhibited. And, and, and I'm finding a lot of men with lower desire. And so a lot of women who are in the position of uh, initiating and wanting more sex. So I, I don't create a gen I mean, I, I appreciate your TikTok responses, but I don't think that there's a real gender line in terms right. of uh, I, That's desire. what I was wondering. Mm. Because a lot of them were saying 95% me or nothing. And then the one guy said, see Ellis in a Cabernet. Who, ini who initiates sex? See Ellis in a Cabernet. Now, one guy, the last one I'm going to read is really funny. He said, my wife is a doctor, so I, I have to make an appointment. I usually don't have to wait too long. Sometimes she'll squeeze me right in. <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. very cute. You know, I think what's true is that a lot of men are able to like metabolize a sexual cue very quickly and it only takes a single sexual cue like oh there's my cute wife coming out of the shower in a towel that one single cue just goes straight to the genitals and like i'm ready willing and able to have sex and i think for a lot of women and again i don't want to stereotype it's not that they don't appreciate that single cue or it's not sexy it just might take more cues or it might take like i agree know, like, with you a thousand percent based on my own experience i mean this is why we have so many dick pics flying around yeah because i, it's I like, don't i don't like dick pics i but i know that a guy would love a vagina pic in a second so are men inherently just more visual 
I think that men are able again to just, it doesn't always have to be a visual cue. It can be an audio cue. It could be a memory. It could be uh, a suggestion could, of something. It could be a, someone walking down the street and a little <laughs> whiff of something gets in my nose. Yeah. It could be anything. So I, I just, I always thought that like men just tend to like more visual stimulation more than women. But then can you speak a little bit about porn? Because it really helped me think of myself as being okay or more than okay. And when you were describing during this pandemic, how my libido has not been is the way it used to be. I mean, it was much stronger before this pandemic, maybe because I'm with the person 24 seven. Um, but saying it, you know what, if your libido is not where it used to be or whatever, and you want a little extra something, watch porn together, you'll get mm -hmm. horny faster. And then, you know, start the process quicker mm -hmm. than, you know, because I think one of the reasons that we don't have sex as much is because it's going to be like, oh, it's going to take me a long time to get there. You know, right. it's going to. Right. So, so, you know, in the book, I talk about like there are different ways of getting started. There's like a hot start where like, look, Cam, if you're if you're enjoying this summer of love and you're out there and you're meeting someone who's turned on by you, you're probably going to have what I would call like a hot start. It's not going to take long for the two of you to get your clothes off and be uh going right for a couple mm -hmm. in a long-term relationship if like you and d's where there's still a lot of sexiness in the air and a lot of emotional safety very often i'm not saying you're not having hot starts but there's also this feeling of like a warm start that's just kind of coming out of the like the general warmth uh, for a lot of couples though they're in a place like what we described during covid where if they're going to have sex it's going to be from the position of like a cold start and it's going to be pretty difficult to get there. So in those cases, I think you kind of need like what I'm going to call like an arousal runway. You need something to get the system just kind of warmed up. And I think taking in some kind of uh, psychological material, whether it's porn, and I, and I only emphasize ethical porn. Consensual not, porn. 100% consensual and ethical. I believe that we should be paying for our porn. You know, nothing good comes for free and people get exploited. But it could also be, there's also a renaissance in audio erotica and in audio porn and in literary erotica and in toys that are creative and suggestive. So, I mean, all of this stuff can help introduce more psychological material into the system. For our viewers and listeners, would you say there's nothing wrong with a couple that uses porn or uses vibrators and that it doesn't mean, I know I've heard this before from guys, well, she needs a vibrator to get off or she needs, or he yeah. needs porn to get off. I mean. Yeah. I think all of those, you know, whether it's like, I have to be a walking erection, I have to last long, if I watch porn twice a day, uh, I'm a sex addict. If she uses her vibrator once a day, she's a vibrator addict. These are all just, you know, misconceptions that, you know, uh, unfortunately really dilute and make the playground of sex pretty limited and, and constrained. So I think we should get everything into that playground. I mean, um, yeah, I think, you know, study after study shows that couples who watch porn together uh, have more adventurous sex lives or feel better overall about communicating about sex and porn, get more excited about having sex with each other. I'm not saying that porn is the answer, but sometimes you need to, you know, again, just bring that psychological arousal into your relationship. I have a question which is, what are your thoughts on today's hookup culture? And the reason I'm asking this question is because um, I'm very interested in, in Buddhism and Buddhist take on sexuality, which is considered like, they suggest why sexuality. Mm -hmm. And some people interpret that to mean if it's consensual, if both partners are excited about the pleasure, that's fine. Other people, there's like different interpretations of it. And so hookup culture is interesting because I'm not sure it sits in the category of why sexuality. And yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I have to be honest a little bit, Cam. You're going to be a little more of a dating expert than I am because I have not <laughs> been dating since like 1997, okay? Um. So I am a little bit out of it and it's it's not the thing that I like work on clinically a lot and I really derive from my clinical experience. But what I will say that I've noticed, um, especially in men, uh, single men, young men, is a lot more performance anxiety, 
a lot more erectile unpredictability and a lot more fear in initiating sex and, you know, sexuality. And so I'm all about consent, but there also has to be a mature way of bringing our erotic selves um, in, into the picture. You know what I mean? As opposed to leaving that behind and, and just... And being afraid. And being yeah, afraid, yeah. you know? It's kind of like this guy that I was talking to today in my office. Can we have sex? You know, I'm reading the newspaper. Hey, honey, how do you feel about having sex this evening? Hmm, well, let me contemplate it. I mean, sex, is there is something... <laughs> Man, I'm so hot when you say it like that. <laughs> Jeez. You know, like, sex is hot. Sexual language is hot. And... We have to be respectful and we have to be careful, but we also have to embrace the energy and the heat mm -hmm. of sex. You know, when I'm doing sex therapy with couples, I will often get them talking about sex and they'll go home and they'll have sex and they'll say, that session got us hot. Like, we, can mm -hmm. we come back on a Friday night? Because it's <laughs> going to be our Friday night date night, right? Like, we have to master this language and this feeling not be mastered by it so does that is that pro the hookup culture or is that saying the hookup culture might be a detriment <laughs> to that i i think i would be pro well when you say hookup culture what do you yeah, mean we, by i was hooking culture? up I'm, I'm part of that hookup culture when i became single again at I, i'm very I pro began. sexual experience and sexual variety and sexual yeah. encounter what about what about threesomes <laughs> i'm I'm positive about anything that um, is a consensual and that's, you know, fun. I mean, some couples, I, I, I look, I work a lot with couples who um, just want to make a world of their bedroom and it's just the two of them. I work with a lot of couples who want to enjoy sex parties and shared sexual adventure and just like get out there in the world and uh, enjoy others. Sometimes I work with couples who want all that adventure, but they want it in a more consensually non-monogamous way where they're sort of mm. each getting, you know. So I'm all about that. The thing that's hard in our culture is that monogamy, especially for, for heterosexual couples, is, you know, such the dominant paradigm that mm -hmm. it's, it's hard sometimes to switch out of that, right? Like if you start mm -hmm. off in a monogamous relationship, and you feel that there's something that's non-monogamous or erotically explorative about you, it's very difficult to, to pivot sometimes out of that paradigm. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought up the Coolidge effect too. Uh-huh. The Coolidge effect being around the importance of novelty in a relationship. And women want it just as much, if not more, than men. Let's end on that note. Did everybody hear that? <laughs> so, Ian, how do people find your work and uh, follow you if, if they want to get in touch? Can you tell oh. us about this book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully it's available in most or all bookstores. I know you can certainly get it on Amazon. Definitely my website is a great way to find me, iankerner.com. I'm not that hip to, to social media yet or probably ever will be. So the website's a good way to find me. Okay, awesome. And the book is called, So Tell Me About the Last Time You Had Sex, Laying Bare and Learning to Repair Our Love Lives. Did you know that that rhymed a little bit? Laying Bare and Learning to Repair? I, I, I did. It <laughs> now he does. Like, uh... <laughs> Rolls it right off sort the of the, It was a little bit the idea of it, Cam. You know, like it, <laughs> it sort of like rhymes a little bit. <laughs> Thank you so it much It could have just been here. getting naked and fixing from a solutions-oriented perspective. <laughs> But it wouldn't quite have had the same ring to it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think you did a great job with this. It was really a delight to talk to you, and it was a delight to read this. And thank you thank for you. validating my sex script. <laughs> I think it's terrific. It's inspirational. Oh, well, uh -oh. feel free to use it whenever you want. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Ian Kerner. What do you think? I, I mean, I really enjoyed it, and I hope you guys liked it as well. Do you think I should go to him, like, on a weekly basis for therapy? No, I think he'd kill himself. <laughs> I think he'd be like, you again, kid? I think he really helped me and help other people understand the value of having script 
that, that you can keep going back to and altering and changing as days goes on. Did you feel validated in your, your I did. I yeah, felt very it. validated. Did you feel uncomfortable talking about it in front of me? Uh, not really. I mean, cause we always talk about sex in front of each other, but I don't normally talk about this. You don't part. go into the fucking details. I don't usually go into the details and certainly not. And I'm sure D's would not like me to tell that much in general all the time, but on the occasion like this, I felt it was a therapist. It's okay. I felt surprisingly comfortable hearing you discuss that. And I was, I was actually very proud of you that you have such a good sex script. Oh, I mean, it is like what he said. It's very admirable. You think I got an A? You got a fucking A plus over there. I got an A plus on the section. I felt good about it too. But I don't want people listening going, oh, I don't have that. So I, I, you know, something's lacking. It's not lacking. It's just my sex script and yours can be completely different and still be very valuable. We wanted to thank everyone who has been supporting our show, making this possible for people like Dr. Ian Kerner to come on. And one way to do that is through Patreon. Patreon is our way for you to financially support us, even if it's just five bucks a month. And now you can get access, if you're a Patreon member... Drum roll, please. ...to our Discord channel. Whoa! What the fuck is a Discord? I have no idea, but it works. It's a really dope chat room where other sneaky freaks and us get together... And we can just talk back and forth, nonstop. And there's chit-chat going on all day long. It's a real community there. Some discussions will be available to the public... But most of them are going to be Patreon only. Okay, let's tell them how to get to Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom. If you wanted to help us out another way for free, all you have to do is leave a rating and review for us. Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash mom. I actually have one here I'd like to read, Mother, from uh, Unicorn Lol with a little unicorn face. So cute. Uh, this person says, Y'all weren't cooking dino nuggets and then gave a bunch of like aggressive face emoji faces, anger, devil face, uh, crying with the uh, with the swearing face, so frown I, face. I think he wasn't real happy with something that we did. He gave us one star because of the dino nuggets. We weren't cooking dino nuggets. We weren't cooking the dino nuggets. Can you help us out by overturning that one star? I don't know why we got... I guess we didn't do enough dino nuggets or something, yeah. but now we got one star over there. So you little sneaky freaks, if you've gotten to this part of the, the podcast episode and you have not, can they write a review more than once? You can do it on multiple platforms. Right. So if you haven't, or if you have and would like to help us out and write another one, please do so we can get our ratings back up now that this dino nugget guy put us down to one star. <laughs> we also wanted to thank everyone who has helped us by sharing this podcast. That really is our favorite way for you guys to tell your friends, it's your family, your parents. Word of mouth. We are on Instagram and TikTok and doing some really funny stuff there. We want to create this like, you know, multimedia channel and this is the way to do it. So follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Sex Talk with My Mom. And we're doing an Uber Lube giveaway there. So stay oh, tuned for that. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We love you very much. We love you, you little sneaky freaks. You want to sing them out? Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and having er Ian Kerner as a guestie. A guestie. A guestie. A bestie guestie. Oh, a bestie guestie. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, go check out other episodes of Sex Talk with my mom or some of the other fantastic shows on the Pleasure Podcast Network. The best place for you to share your thoughts with other listeners is on the episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can post in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanetta. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP.